Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Chew it up. I'm trying. Swaller. Don't choke. It's a late lunch, Corey. I don't know. I had an acting class. Had to feed myself quickly. Okay, cool. Forgot what movie we were doing for a second. Oh, you're going to be reminded in a sec. I remember. I remember. You're going to be reminded in a sec. All right. Here we go. We're talking birth today on Cinema Possessed. Nicole Kidman's off the chain. It might be Jonathan Glazier's best. The film was kind of panned. Back in 2004 But most people agreed Composer Alexander Desplat <laughs> Killed the score What's the film about? A widowed wife Whose husband comes back in to her life as a child and it pissed off everyone and critics thought it sucked booze and jeers at Venice when they got naked in the tub but now that time has passed Controversies fade Everyone I know Thinks the film Fucking slays And today on the pod We'll decide it's worth On Cinema Possessed are talking birth. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Justin Nisham. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's drool. Oh. Drip. Drool. Having a drink. I mean, it was dri- it was dripping and swinging like drool. Swinging like drool. Right after you got I'll turn the zoom off. I don't need to. You don't need to see me. Keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. I mean, you look beautiful, but the drool. My drink is delicious. All right, it shook me. It's cider and rum. Mm. Oh, somebody's make any grown man drool. Make anyone drool. I'm sorry. Go take it back. Take it back. Uh, and with us, as always, is the creepy little kid of this podcast, <laughs> oh, <God>. Corey Clifford. <laughs> hey, man, that kid was brilliant. I don't think he's creepy. He's he's. Oh, he gives something. the creeps. I mean, he he's is brilliant. Creepy. He's a really good actor. But yeah, he's kind of creepy. I would say that this movie is a creepy kid movie uh, as one of the genres. One of the many genres that I think it falls into is the creepy kid genre. I don't find him creepy. I find he has like a dignity and a. He's there, and there's something and he, creepy about that. There's something creepy about a kid being so adult like. Yeah. That it's like this mm. has given he's me the overly GBs. The intense, <laughs> the way that he doesn't look away and he can just keep such long eye contact is chilling. Yeah. You just so sympathize with his motivations because you want to get in yeah. those Kidman jeans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and each week we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collection and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today and in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf. Or be taken out and buried underneath a bush. Uh, I got some physical media news this week. I don't know if you've heard, but Oppenheimer came out on 4K UHD. And within a few days, it completely sold out nationwide. The 4K UHD of Oppenheimer. Sold out of stores. That's surprising. I know. I think it shocked everybody. Universal had to release a statement being like, we're sorry, we're doing our best to to get these back on the shelves because they just cleaned out super quickly and and people are like, I gotta buy Christmas presents. That's incredible. Um Is that a stunt? Is that a stunt? Well is that par- I truly don't think it's intentional. My I my guess is that because the DVD and Blu-ray market is just not what it used to be, they probably just didn't manufacture enough. Yeah. Didn't manufacture yeah. as many as they normally would. Assuming like nobody's gonna fucking buy this shit. It's on sale. On, it looks like it's back in stock on Amazon. Yes, they they have announced it, I think, two or three days ago that like it's back in stock. You can go get it, get it for the holidays. But I think it's a good sign, folks. It's a good sign that um, it is. it's a message to the studios. We want more. Yeah, that physical media is, is not a- Speaking a, of, I saw Christopher Nolan yesterday. Corey. Wow. I told you this. I texted you. I know, but oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm being an audience surrogate here. Yeah. Corey, you have to tell us Justin, what happened. Justin, no. Well, it was at a different, I won't say where, but just so I don't blast where Christopher <laughs> Nolan yeah. lives. Smart. But I was yeah. in 
like this area and i was having to parallel my park parallel park my car in a really like awkward part and he was walking with what i assume is his wife and child if he has a child and a dog um a big dog and i was parking and he was like walking directly towards me this is a very small road and i was like that looks like christopher nolan but i was like too distracted by how i was parking and then i parked and he walked right by me we made direct eye contact and i was like that is christopher nolan and i got out of my car and then i got kind of lost in the neighborhood and so i passed him again with his wife and we made kind of awkward eye contact again and i bet he was thinking like please don't say something to me but i didn't i kept it cool i'm surprised you uh, recognized him yeah, he's pretty recognizable. Also, too, you told me that he when you when he was walking, you saw that he had loose spools of seventy millimeter film uh-huh. just sort of wrapped around his flowing neck, like out scarf. of his pockets. Yeah, too. Oh, so that, that was like proof. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was the proof. He was tweaking the volume on a projector in the yes. middle of the road. Yeah, he yes. was making it worse. Yes. He was making the yeah. volume more <laughs> inaudible. You couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Not that interesting of a story, but uh, I did see him. But speaking of physical media, the movie that we're talking about today. Is not available on Blu-ray. Certainly not available on UHD Shame. 4K. Only Shame. available on an out-of-print DVD that I got to admit I don't own. I don't have that mm. DVD. I've got it back home. Good. Well, then that makes this an, an actual qualifying episode then. I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that. Uh, it's also kind of kismet that we chose this movie. It's sort of random. Uh, last week... We did Eyes Wide Shut, which we sort of squeezed into the schedule because we felt like we needed to do a Christmas movie. Yeah. But I found that there was a there's a lot of Kubrick connections to this movie. And, you know, this is our last episode before the end of the year. Our our old year is dying and a new year is birthing. There's a lot of death and rebirth in this movie. I think it's fate. That we happen to land on this particular movie, on this particular episode, on this particular occasion beautiful justin let the people know what movie we are talking about today we're talking jonathan glather's glather oh, glather 2004 <laughs> movie birth movie movie you know that i loved sean you know so much it's taken me this long and i can't get him out of my system i can't too many memories I understand that this is going to sound crazy. I've met somebody who uh, who seems to be Sean. Am I to understand that that 10-year-old boy told you he was your late husband, Sean? He said, it's me, Sean. What am I supposed to think? <laughs> He's back. What do you want? You'll be making a big mistake if you marry Joseph. There's a boy this tall who wants to marry my fiance. You're hurting me. Don't bother me again. From now on, we're going to tell the truth. What do you want to know? How did Sean meet Anna? We met at the beach. We got married 30 times in 30 days. How do you know what you know? I'm Sean. You can't go around saying you're somebody you're not. What are you doing? I'm looking at my wife. This is insane. I mean, I don't want to fall in love again with Sean. And that's what's happening. You can think whatever you want. Everybody can think what they want. I'm who I say I am. Stay away. Stay away. You ask Anna who she loves more, me or Joseph. Go ahead. Go ask her. That's spooky. That's a tight-ass trailer. 
Yeah. That is good. And it's utilizing the whole buffalo of the movie. You're getting good lines from the movie. It's using the actual music from the movie. It's, I think, accurately selling what this movie is. Here's an important question. What? How would you categorize the genre? What kind of movie is this? I think that's an interesting question. It's, it's um, I think if you're going to promote it, you're going to promote it as a psychological thriller. That would be my uh, best faith way yeah. of saying, how do we sell this to people? Let's call it a thriller. Let's say it's a psychological thriller. And I think to a point, it satisfies that genre um, in that it is thrilling. Yeah. Especially the first time I saw it, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I agree. I, the, something about thriller throws me off. It's just hard not to think of um, higher stakes, yeah. you know, I guess. Because it never quite turns high, into to yeah. like violent life or death stakes. Right. Mm -hmm. It's more emotional stakes. Yeah. If this movie came out now, they would probably try to advertise it as a horror movie. Because For how many sure. times have you gone to see like an A24 horror movie that by the end of the movie you're sort of like well that wasn't the most horrific thing i've ever seen and you, some people get mad some people feel like they've been cheated by that this i feel like is a perfect example of a movie with a horror tone that is not a horror movie yeah it gave me hitchcock vibes and Shyamalan vibes mm -hmm. too especially in the way that it's sort of like taking a fantastical premise but trying to kind of play it out realistically well, and there is kind of a big twist. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and some of the vibes felt sick sensey to me, too, and that's probably because of the, the kid, you know, aspect of it as well. Uh, Haley Joe Osment also played a very mature, some might say a little creepy kid. Yeah, I think it make, it just makes me feel excited to be stumped by a genre, you uh -huh. know what I mean? Like, it doesn't fit neatly into one category, and I'm realizing... You know, like we put labels on a lot of things in order to kind of understand how to talk about it with other people or pitch it to them or get them excited to watch it. And I don't know. I, I want to find more American films that fit within mm -hmm. this category. It's just surprising to see an American movie mm -hmm. um, that is unclassifiable and still has a structure that's easy to follow. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that hard. It's not of a confusing. To yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not confusing. It's easy to digest in some ways, but it's also dealing with themes of reincarnation that we typically don't see in Western right. media. Mm -hmm. Um, a pretty simplistic version of reincarnation, but still cool to see that in a film. Yeah. And what other movies make you think about life after death in that sense? You know, maybe they make you think about heaven or hell, but they don't make you think about what does it mean to come back to this earth, you know? Right. And ultimately, too, I feel like the the movie is ultimately just about grief. Uh, uh -huh. um, and it's a, it's sort of seems to be really digging into the feelings of grief and how how grief can kind of alter your perception of reality if you are still kind of stuck in it uh how easily you could be swayed into believing things and and how you can have your reality bent and warped uh by the and how people can take advantage of that exactly yeah not not only that but my favorite aspect of that theme is how badly other people want you to move on uh -huh. it's not yeah. just like taking care of your well making sure that your well-being is considered but that 
you're impacting them. They want you to move on for their own benefit, right. too. Uh, do y'all remember when this movie came out? No, I had never even heard of this movie until the pandemic when we watched it and mm-hmm. you showed it to me. And then I had mentioned it to some like people and there were like friends and stuff who like Stacy was like, oh, this is my favorite movie. And I was like, wow, I never literally never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. Saw it a while ago, but I don't remember anything about it. 2004. I didn't see it when it came out. I actually didn't. Corey, when you saw it was the first time I saw it, too. I'd known about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 2004 when it came out because there was a lot of controversy about it. But for whatever reason, I never caught it. This was still when we were living in Arkansas, so I had this movie maybe just maybe just didn't come to Arkansas. Yeah, but yeah, I remember being like, "Wow, I can't believe I've never seen this movie before," because it it really blew me away the first time. It's crazy to me when watching the movie now. It's really wild to think that this movie had such a controversy around it, because to me, this movie it, I think handles all of this stuff extremely elegantly. Yeah. And tastefully, and you know the for for it's uncomfortable. You feel uncomfortable, but nothing that would be like people to be up in arms about, like a, a type of uncomfortable that you're you want in a movie sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like it, there's there is a slightly uh, you know it's it's dancing around adult woman falls in love with ten year old boy territory, mm-hmm. but. I, like when you actually see the movie, it's to me, I'm like, how can you even argue that there is anything offensive about the way this movie is portrayed? Yeah, because I feel like it's saying that adult woman falls in love with 10 year old boy. That's it's such a simplification. Just, yes, of the, it's too yeah. simple of a thing. And that's what if you just heard that, you'd be like, what? Yeah, I don't want to see a movie about that. But it's like, oh, it's so much more than that. Yeah, I dug into like the reviews at the time and what it, what it really dug into was I found articles that were written tons of articles that were written before anybody ever even saw the movie of course and it was a class just like eyes wide shut how there were so many rumors and gossip while the movie was being made the same exact thing happened with this like word got out that Nicole Kidman was making a movie with the tagline that I basically just said uh-huh. and word got out that there was a scene in which they got naked in a bathtub together and the, and the gossip and the rumor mill went so crazy. People were like, before anybody ever even saw a frame of it, people were like talking about this as it was, as if it was like kitty porn. Like I That's can't the believe same thing that happened. Nicole Kidman is doing this. Yeah. That bringing it back to Oppenheimer at the top, that before Oppenheimer would even come out or we had seen it, all you saw tweets and tweets and tweets yeah. and all of these things all about how this is the most intense sex scene that has ever happened. Right. That gratuitous. You, you, gratuitous the word gratuitous was used. And spe- Oppenheimer? Yes, and specifically that you no. see Killian Murphy's balls for 15 no. minutes is what I was see- no. I was reading left and right and left and right. So I went into this movie being like, all right, let's go. I'm ready to yeah. see this intense sex scene. And I was so bummed out constantly. I was like, this? This is what people were like writing freaking little tweets about left and right? I couldn't believe it. Because none of it was true. You and, do not see Killian Murphy's balls in the movie. And I do wonder, spoiler alert, you know, what it's chicken or egg kind of thing. Like, obviously, you and me, we got kind of excited about that news about Oppenheimer. We we're like, okay, give us that sex scene, baby. And then there was like mild disappointment that, that it wasn't as intense as everybody was saying. I'm sure part of that is somebody behind the film, be it the studio or somebody is like releasing that information, knowing it's going to drum up 
conversation sure. and knowing that it's going to drum up press for the movie and then in birth's case at least if that is what happened it backfired and to the point where new line who made the film had to come out and make statements saying like this is not kitty porn and we're not doing this kind of and nicole kibben and they spent the whole press junket of this movie battling this preconceived notion to the point that by the time it premiered at the Venice Film Festival, people were ready. They were going in ready to hate the movie, ready to boo it. And they did like they booed it. They booed it. They booed the movie. Oh. When that scene, when the, when the infamous bathtub scene happens, there were walkouts people. And I'm like, I watch that scene. I'm like, how, Nothing how do you watch this scene and be so offended by it? Unless you're just, Primed and ready to be that way. Yeah. Unless they unless they cut out the hand job scene from the movie <laughs> for the DVD. Maybe that's true. Yeah. Maybe there's a missing they, reel. They eyes what that's the other eyes wide <laughs> shot uh, reference. The bathtub was they, never there. They put the yeah. bathtub in with CG. <laughs> they were in bed. You don't want to know you what they were gonna doing. You guys are gonna get canceled. <laughs> you guys are gonna get canceled. Bring it on. Bring it on. It is interesting to me though, there's a movie that's out right now called May December that um is a movie that's very much inspired by the May Mary Kay Letourneau case, the woman who, who um had a sexual relationship with her, I believe, seventh grade student and then went on oh. to marry him. Um it's the Hi. new Todd Haynes movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new Todd Haynes movie. I cannot wait to see it. It's good. I got to see it. It's really good. It's actually out on Netflix now so anybody can watch it. Wait, what's it called? What's it called? It's called May December. May December. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard that term, mm. May-December, like a May-December romance? No. It refers to like when a when a significantly older person gets in a relationship with a significantly younger person. It's called a, mm. a may doesn't last too long. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was surprised that that movie didn't uh, actually drum up really any controversy. The one that's currently out right now. People are actually very much embracing it. There's, I think there's been a very healthy and uh, mature reaction to the movie. I think it's a very good movie, but... When you when you compare it to something like this, which has kind of similar themes, I mean, in fact, a lot of the reviews that I looked at specifically referenced Mary Kay Letourneau for birth. For birth, yeah. Oh wow! They were like, "Well, this is probably what she was thinking." It just was really shocking to me. I was like, people sounded stupid it was back in two thousand. A different time too, as in like people were more. I don't know, like uptight about sex stuff. I feel like yeah. then than they are. Not that it's like not uptight now mm -hmm. but a little bit different like a little bit more nuanced right now i wouldn't also put it past a little bit of misogyny to be involved too because i think at this point in time there was probably a, a feeling of like this nicole kidman thinks she's so good she thinks she's doing this artsy movie but to me this sounds like porn you yeah. know it's like I, I could see a little bit of that being involved For in sure. that too i do think nowadays birth is celebrated i think so too Pretty much everyone I've ever talked to who has seen the movie now loves birth. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think it was just sort of a, a a blip of time, a product of people not really understanding what movie they were going to get and kind of making up their minds about it beforehand. Man, Nicole Kidman was making some great movies at this time. Yeah. We talked about Eyes Wide Shut last week. She also did Dogville the year before this, which is a movie that I fucking love. I forget about it sometimes. She's amazing in it. She did Cold Mountain. She did The Others. After this, she would go on to do Rabbit Hole, Paperboy, Stoker, Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Beguiled. 
She's fucking great. I think, uh, you know, we talked about her quite a bit last episode, but I don't know. I just want to give it up. I think she's a really interesting actress who chooses cool projects. I think she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. She obviously tries to play both because she's got a stinkers in there too, like the Bewitched movie. and Yeah, but know. she's making her back. This is the same way saying some people like when yes. like Mark Ruffalo goes and does You're right. freaking whatever that movie is where he's green. Yep. What's that movie called? The Hulk. <laughs> the Hulk. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and, uh, now it's just the Avengers or whatever. But it's movies. the exact same thing to me, but like people don't really mention that. People yeah. still are like, Mark Ruffalo, he's so brilliant. Glazer's one of those directors that I'm uh, bummed does not have more of a, a bigger catalog. I know. He's made, he's been around for like 20 years and he's only made four movies in that time. Yeah. And one of them is, have you seen, hasn't even come out yet. Have you seen Zone of Interest? No, no I'm can't. really Wait. excited. I had the opportunity to and wasn't able to do it because we had a prior commitment um, and he was going to be there and do a Q&A. I'm very excited for that movie because, yeah, because he doesn't make very many movies, it sort of feels like an event when he does come out with one, even though his movies are definitely not event films. I feel like they are this year. I feel like this movie is going to get a lot of award buzz. It's getting a lot oh, of it, award yeah, buzz. Yeah, I mean, it, it won the grand prize at Cannes. It won Best Picture at the LA Film Critics Awards last night. Mm. He won Best Director. So, yeah, I mean, the, it, there's a lot of big talk about that it's going to be uh, a big one, and I can't wait to see it. What are his other movies? He did Sexy Beast before this. This is his second film. Birth the Second, and then he did Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And then Zone of Interest. He hasn't made a lot of movies, but he came from music videos, very much like Fincher. He did a lot of Radiohead videos. He did the virtual insanity video, Jamiroquai. Love that. Love that music video. Mm -hmm, the one where he's sliding around on all those uh, treadmill-like floors. He's got that big hat. Y'all know I love that big hat. Wanted one. <laughs> Needed it. He did The Fall, too. That, oh, that was a short film. That's a short film, which is also an awesome short film. I remember mm. seeing that. That screened in front of, I think, The Lighthouse. Uh, so if, it, if you went and saw the White House in theaters, I think you saw the fall little short film. Good as hell. Mm. He's really good with music. I think the music in this movie by Alexander Desplat is fucking great. Yeah. The music in- the music is intense. It's what makes it feel like a horror movie to me. Yeah. Under the Skin also has an incredible score. That Michael Levy score. The other big actress in this movie, I feel like, who does not get enough credit for the work that she did was Anne Heche. I totally agree. She's incredible in this. She is great. Rest in peace. R.I.P. For sure. Yes, I've um, I I've always been a big fan of the Psycho remake, Ghost Van Zandt Psycho mm -hmm. remake. <laughs> you and no one else. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm alone on the hill on that one. I like it. I like it. Yeah, and I think she's great in it. I think both her and Vince Vaughn make perfect uh, modern day castings for the Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins. We should just do a string of podcast episodes uh, where the theme is. Movies nobody likes. That we <laughs> yeah, love. yeah, that's a good idea. I would say, uh, in terms of our conversation, for the sake of any listeners that have not seen this movie, maybe we don't talk directly about how this movie specifically ends and the quote unquote maybe twist of the film until we get to it at the end. Do you guys feel okay about that? Just so that if you can listen, you can maybe stop it at any point and be like, I'm now interested to hear. Or to watch the movie before I... Well, think? I think that is... Right now, we've hit that point. <laughs> you think so? You think we must talk about that now? I mean, we don't... I guess we don't have to. We usually just talk about the full movie. I really only point. say that because I think it's a different viewing the second time. The first time I watched it, I really did not know anything about the mystery. So it was a very... 
I felt very, very compelled and sure, thrilled sure, by sure. not knowing where it was going to go. And I have some feelings on the ending of this movie, but I feel like I could wait until we kind of get to it to talk about that. It, obviously, it has not negatively affected my viewing of the film. But um, I don't know, unless you guys w- want to like go ahead and start talking about that stuff. But for me, it feels like I could kind of wait till the... Sure. Just so for, for anybody listening that um, is on the fence about watching the film or not i would say if you don't know what happens see the movie before you know where it's going just to get the whole experience of it well let's take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk more about birth birth Birth. hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking 2004's Birth. This movie opens with a kind of a prologue of sorts. Just over black screen, you hear this voiceover from the character of Sean that basically tells you everything you need to know about Sean in this particular circumstance. Uh Okay. Let me say this. Let me say this. If I lost my wife... And uh, the next day, a little bird landed on my windowsill, looked me right in the eye, and in plain English, said, Sean, it's me, Anna. I'm back. Well, what could I say? I guess I'd believe him, or I'd want to. I'd be stuck with a bird. <laughs> but other than that, no. I'm a man of science. I just don't believe that mumbo-jumbo. Now, that's going to have to be the last question. I need to go running before I head home. And what I like the most about this opening is I like that it's it it just gives you narrative story stuff as quickly as possible. He's a man of science and he doesn't believe in reincarnation. And then that's before even the first credit rolls on the screen. Yeah. And we already know everything we need to know about this guy. I love that. I love it. It's the kind of stuff that if you put in a script, I could totally see somebody being like, that doesn't work. You're just throwing that in there like that. And yeah. it's like, yeah. What, do you want me to spend five minutes showing you a boring scene that's going to give us an information? No. Just tell us. Okay, okay, radio <laughs> jock DJ of the 90s. Just, 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 just tell us. Uh, and then we get our opening shot, which is this guy running. It's a really cool, long take. 
high angle shot on this dude running. I feel like this opening shot immediately feels like Kubrick to me. It reminded me of the 2001, that scene when he's jogging in the sort of circular vessel of the ship. Yeah, great scene. With the music too. Alexander Desplat fucking kills the music in this movie. I remember the first time I watched this, when this opening scene happened, the sort of juxtaposition between the kind of mundane shot of this guy running with this really beautiful classical score over it, I was like, I feel like we got ourselves a movie here. It's very majestic. Yeah. Flutes sort of dancing around. This fanfare of horns come in. But again, the visuals that you're seeing on screen is like a dude in a fucking tracksuit jogging in the snow. There's nothing majestic about it. It feels like almost holiday-esque feeling. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I love electronic scores. I love a synthy score. I love like world music stuff. But there ain't nothing like a full orchestra movie score to like tap into emotion for me it's got a little john williams and a little philip glass dude to me you say john williams i hear a little bit of et in there yeah and then that got me thinking this movie's got a little et in it too (laughs) (laughs) this boy coming into her life filling a void now in her case it's a void of a dead husband but in E.T., it's the void of the father, the divorced <laughs> father. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is kind of like adult E.T. In, in a lot of ways. And, and that Williams, I do think that there is a little John Williams inspiration in Desplat's music, this film. Yeah. Uh, and I found an interview with uh, Alexander Desplat, and he said that Jonathan Glazer specifically told him that he wanted him to create a non-score, meaning he wanted the music to bring the audience somewhere else that the images were not bringing them. You know, he didn't want the music to just repeat what the images were saying. He wanted it to like bring up an emotion in their mind that was different. It's what makes this kind of feel like a fairy tale. There's some interesting stuff that happens in this little jogging sequence. This pack of dogs comes running in front of him Uh at one point. He's passing under these bridges that kind of have this sort of castle-like look to them. And then we watch this guy as he basically, he, he slows to a stop under this dark bridge and we see him collapse. He seems to lose his breath. He falls to his knees and drops dead right there. We don't really know why. He just does. And um, notable, we never really see his face. We hear his voice in that voiceover, but we don't get a good look at him. It's the only time we ever really hear him. I think that's kind of crucial to the mystery of this movie because we don't know really anything about Sean other than that he doesn't believe in, he's a man of science and he doesn't believe in reincarnation. But in terms it's of- It's a strong choice. It's a strong choice. I feel like the audience would be thinking too hard about like, does this boy look like exactly. him? Yeah. That way we can sort of stay in with the mystery of it. Uh, but the name is the same. The Ooh. name is the same. Sean. Uh, we see a baby born, <laughs> underwater tub birth. <laughs> Adult man dies, baby born. You know this movie's kind of about reincarnation. Your brain is thinking, maybe? We don't know. We'll see. And it's kind of a breathtaking shot. Like, it looks like it's from a real birth. 
And it's crazy that a baby is born underwater and is like kind of stay just, underwater that yeah, long, floating and, uh, there like a fish before it comes in and takes its first breath. But I mean, I guess that's what it's doing in your womb, right? Exactly. It's not really needing to breathe out of its nose and mouth, I guess. It simply does not. Simply. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that we get our first tub scene in a movie that's got a pretty significant one, a couple of them actually. And then we get a title card 10 years later. And then we get to meet Nicole Kidman. She plays Anna. Uh, we see her sort of hunched over the gravestone of her dead husband, Sean. Very clear she's still haunted by his death even 10 years later. She's got that very Mia Farrow, uh, uh-huh. Rosemary's baby look. She's got the short, dark hair. I think she's kind of a shapeshifter in this movie. Do you guys think that? Like, she doesn't look... There's something about the way she looks in this movie that feels very different than the way she always looks. Not well, just the hair thing, I, but, but like I think it is. Thing. But I think it is the hair thing. I think we are so tied to Nicole Kidman yeah. and her hair is such like a part of her. She's always had long hair, like big, mm-hmm. long hair. To see her not have any hair, essentially, yeah. be like so short, it's like all you can see is the sharpness of her face. Mm-hmm. Well, it also makes her kind of cherubic too you know yeah. she, it, it infantilizes her a little bit for sure which i think is also a crucial aspect of this movie we already talked about how mature the little boy is there is also something about her character Feels being a little a, girl a little bit infantile too which also is a big theme of of todd haynes made december um she's with this new guy joseph played by danny houston who's he's, great he's another great actor he reminds me so much of that actor who is like ethan hawk's guy oh d'onofrio d'onofrio he reminds mm. me a lot of d'onofrio he's not quite as weird no but he looks a lot like him. i see i see it i see it he's charming yeah he's great and i appreciate that he could easily in another script become like the antagonist of this movie and i kind of i'm like kind of on his side the whole movie yeah he's he kind of swarmy me. like you know he's like rich guy yeah that type of thing, but in terms of what's happening in the movie, yeah. I think he's gross. Really? Yeah. I don't I think he projects total antagonist to me. Total movie villain and not just in the way he looks, but even his like opening speech yes. when he talks about wearing her <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, that's true. I wore, that's such a great speech too. It says everything you need to know about him. He's not a bad guy yeah. per se. He's not a cheater. Yeah. He's not necessarily even a manipulator. Right. But he doesn't, you can tell he's nothing like Sean. And you can tell Nicole Kidman probably, you know is not just getting over the death of her husband, but is trying to accept that like this man could pr- probably provide her with security, exactly. but can't really provide her with much else. Yeah. He's definitely not sexy. Yeah. You know, she seems lost for sure. And maybe this decision to marry this man is like a last ditch effort to sort of like get herself out of the slump, the, the, the grief. Um, yeah. I agree. I think the movie does set him up that way. I think my my feelings of him is that once the sort of drama sets in, I can't really fault the way he reacts to things. I think he's actually fairly supportive to her in this very strange situation. Until he's not. Until he's not. Yeah. True. He reaches a limit, obviously, where he But I kind of feel himself. like it's a limit that I can understand. I can relate to the limit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. We'll get to the limit. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, they're having an engagement party. We get to meet uh, Nicole Kidman's pregnant sister and her mom, played by Lauren Bacall. She's incredible. Did you see that that was the other controversy about this movie? Tell us about it. During the press, maybe when they were at the Venice Film Festival, somebody referred to Nicole Kidman as a legend. Mm -hmm. And I guess Lauren Bacall said she's not a legend she's too new essentially like essentially mm. that and people like really twisted that and ran with it and then nicole kidman was like i mean i agree I've, i haven't done that much stuff right. to be a legend yet but people that it was like that in the bathtub scene that people would Those keep bringing things. up constantly yeah. that's interesting i mean i, I was kind of thinking about it Lauren McCall started in the fucking 40s doing film noirs with humphrey she's Bogart. so beautiful like damn Oh, and when you look at her back then, I know, Lord. I know. But even like in this movie, yes. she's like, a, you know, she plays Nicole Kidman's mother. But it would be so like, damn, this woman's got it. It would be so crazy to start your career in the 40s. Yeah. And go all the way to 2004. And you're making this sort of like weird art house movie made <laughs> by a music video director. It's like it's got to feel kind of crazy to, to for her to be sitting on set of this movie and think about you know dark passages or like the big sleep uh with humphrey bogart and and just be like man i've lived a fucking life yeah and she's great it's it's so amazing that she was able to like keep up and keep doing even at whatever age she was she was probably in her 70s when she made this movie to be like Making good movies and giving a good performance in it. I know that she was one of the last of the sort of golden age of Hollywood stars to survive. I actually just went to one of her old houses recently. Uh, mm. A house oh, that that's she- Oh, that, that's what that was? Oh. It's currently owned by Anne Margaret, but it was previously uh, owned by Lauren McCall and Humphrey Bogart because they were married for a long time. And she herself had a little bit of a May-December romance. Uh, her and Humphrey Bogart, that was kind of a controversial thing because I think he was like 25 or 30 years older than her. And um, he left his wife. Mm. On the first movie that they worked on together, he left his wife to be with her. And people were like, oh, scandalous. So maybe there was a little bit of a meta uh, casting. You know, obviously there's that doesn't compare. 30 years difference <laughs> yeah. of two adult people to, to what's happening in this movie. but. Um, I don't know. We get to meet Peter Stormare, who plays Sean's brother. And Brilliant his wife guy. is Anne Heche, Clara. They show up late to this engagement party. As they're getting in the elevator, Anne Heche says, oh, I forgot the ribbon. And she turns back. And he's like, what? And she's like, I'll be up there in just a minute. And we see her run outside with this little gift that she brought. And this is also where we get introduced to Cameron Bright, who plays the young boy he's just sitting in the lobby bouncing a little ball he sees her run outside and he follows her and we watch as Anne Heche takes this little gift that's wrapped up and she decides to frantically bury it in some bushes right outside in the middle of fucking New York and we see that the little boy watches her do it and then she goes to like a store nearby and buys another gift and has them gift wrap it and basically completely replaces it so we don't know what's in this box we don't know what she was about to give him but she decided to bury it in the ground and goes back upstairs. You'll ever buried anything under a bush? Hmm. I don't know if I have. Justin? Maybe some duke some dookie probably. <laughs> you point. buried your own dookie? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Are you camping, you know? Well, since you brought it up, I did actually do that one time. <laughs> you buried your own dookie? When I was like very little, I would say I was probably five. I had to go to the bathroom, number two style. 
I was outside and I was like, I'm going to see what this is like to do right here in the yard. So I hid behind the bush in my front yard. In your front yard? Yes. You're the creepy kid of this podcast. Now, <laughs> let me tell you what I didn't consider. When I go, I don't know about y'all, but I also pee too. I don't want this. I don't want this in the pod. Justin, can you relate? <laughs> Sure. It's almost like yes. uncontrollable. Sometimes you can't do one. So you with pissed your pants? Pissed all over myself. <laughs> so it was a huge disaster. It didn't work out mm. great. Uh, I don't even think I buried it. I think I just ran inside and changed clothes as fast as I could. Mm. I learned a lesson. Valuable lesson that day. You have you've had more accidents than anyone I know. It, honestly, yes, <laughs> it's true. And he, he likes to tell them on this pod. Well, too. Justin brought it up. I thought maybe Justin had a story to share. That's that's part of recovery, Corey. <laughs> yeah, admittance, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. acceptance. Yeah. 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 So then, cut to later. We cut to a birthday party for Anna's mom. And I really like the way the sequence sort of doles out. This whole beginning of the movie doles out information in a way that kind of is always leaving you a little bit confused. We watch the boy as he sort of sneaks his way into this birthday party. And then all of a sudden the lights go out. This is very horror movie feeling. And Nicole Kidman like floats down the hallway holding this cake that's only lit by the candles on it. It's It's so cool. It feels really spooky. And you're kind of with this boy of like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why did the lights go out? You you put the pieces together. You realize it's a birthday. They see the little boy there and he says, I'm here to see Anna. What do you want? You. You want me? Is that what you're saying? You're my wife. We're married? You're telling me that we got married at some point in time? Yes. Well, I'm getting married to Joseph. He's a little bit older than you. We have a little bit more in common. But the timing was a little bit different. Who knows? Maybe you're a handsome little boy, but I'm getting married to someone else. It's me. Sean. You're telling me that you're Sean? Yes. Let's go. You'll be making a big mistake if you marry Joseph. And she pulls him out, and she makes the front desk guy order him a taxi. But there's another fun thing where she says, who is this little boy? And the front desk guy goes, that's Sean. Yeah. great premise for a movie yeah perfect premise mm-hmm. yeah it's so simple which again mm-hmm. was the critics trashed on the premise too all the reviews that i read were like it's so preposterous it's like i don't know guys it's a fucking movie it's not that it, to me it's not that preposterous either there's a very fincher quality to this movie do you feel that i do feel that i actually feel that more than Kubert. yeah I've, it feels very fincher to me part of that is uh harris, look too harris savides is the dp and he was Fincher's DP for uh, The Game oh. and Zodiac. He did the music video for Closer. The, the coloring feels very Fincher. Yeah, I feel like Harris maybe kind of created this look mm-hmm. with his music videos because he started as a music video cinematographer. He also did the opening title sequence in Seven. He was the one who shot that opening title sequence. So he, this guy knows what he's fucking doing. To me, this movie feels like it should have been made in 1998. It kind of surprises me that it's a 2004 movie. Definitely. 
has that kind of like late 90s feel to it to me. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of behind the scenes information about this movie. There was a good um, little like EPK, you know, just like behind the scenes filming of it. And honestly, the set looked fun to me. It just made me want to get back in there and shoot stuff. What was most interesting about the behind the scenes footage was that this movie looks impeccable in these shots are so crafted and designed and they look honestly very, um, it feels to me like they're shooting with like very natural, practical lighting, but you look at this behind the scenes stuff and like, they just got fucking gack everywhere Yeah, to the point where it's, it's a reminder that that's the way it is. It's like what's in front of the lens can look gorgeous and like effortless. But the second you move outside of that frame, you just see all the fucking China balls and the fucking shit on the floor and the sandbags. It was just like, oh yeah, it wasn't effortless. A lot of effort put into yeah. all that shit. I think that comes with the territory too, being a music video director. You want, mm-hmm. you're used to mm-hmm. your toys and you want to, you want to keep playing. With yeah. Them. <laughs> He's very particular, very particular. But hey, that music, the ge- that generation of music video directors, they all make pretty f- f- pretty stunning films. They knew what they were doing. Harris Avedis, uh unfortunately died in 2012. Oh, his last movie was mm. The Bling Ring. So for so- Sophia mm. Coppola. So then Sean starts kind of like weaseling his way into Anna's life in a bunch of different ways. He writes her a note, really funny too, where there's like a lot of build up to what this letter is. She gets it in the mail. It's a sheet of paper. It's folded. People keep reading it and passing it around. And then when you finally get the reveal, it's like <laughs> such little kid handwriting. It's like a little kid's handwriting that just says, don't marry Joseph. <laughs> I was disappointed. I know. Reveal, me to too. I, was I, thought, too. I thought it was funny. I laughed. It, gave, it made me chuckle. <laughs> I was just hoping for something a little bit more like earth shattering, like something that really went into her bones. Yeah. I didn't want, I don't think he should be focusing on don't marry Joseph. I feel like that is the aftermath of the mm. experience that she's going through. Mm-hmm. The point is I'm Sean. Right. The rest is up to you. It's me. You know? Yeah. It's me. <laughs> it's me, Sean. I'm your husband. It's me. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Oh, that's what I should have done. <gasps> you should have done Taylor Swift. What do you think, Justin? Taylor Swift or Johnny Cash is hurt? I think it's her. me. Uh, I mean, I- Sean. I'm your dead husband, it's me, at tea time, your family doesn't agree. Nah, now I'm pretty sure I made the right decision. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I think the Swift, the Swift, give the Swifties something at some point. At some point I will, for sure, for yeah. sure. This really feels like the one. <laughs> Hurt and birth just happened to rhyme, and I don't know, that's just a banger of a song too. Um, How about for E.T.? It's me, E.T. <laughs> it's E. T, I'm an alien. <laughs> or you could have also done, you belong with me. I'm your dead husband. Something like that. I don't often make the songs in the point of view of the main character, but doesn't mean it's off the table. Uh, there's a shot here, too, of the security guard in the, in the lobby throwing the ball against the wall in the lobby. Did that not make you think of The Shining? He's doing yeah, it the exact way yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholson is throwing that ball in there when he's trying to write. Lots of Kubrick stuff in this movie. So Joseph ends up seeing Sean hanging out in the lobby. He says, hey, what's the deal? Is your dad here? And he's like, yeah, he's upstairs. He's like, can I go speak to your dad? He brings him upstairs. Sean's dad is Ted Levine, who plays Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Ew. The truck driver in Joyride. Candy cane. Come, Wait, why come is, in, if his dad cane. is upstairs? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Why, if his dad is upstairs, is he in the like? That's where they. He's a tutor. Is that where they live? He's a, no, he's a tutor. His dad he's tutors somebody tutor. upstairs. So he's basically coming with his dad to work, yeah. and that's why he's hanging out in the lobby all the time. Yeah. Here's my son, Sean. That's Sean. Candy cane. Would you like a candy cane? Rusty nail. Would you fuck me? <laughs> she a big fat woman. <laughs> Great voice. I think he's also in Monk. Isn't he in Monk? Isn't he like Shalhoub's partner in Monk? I don't know. He got a mustache. I don't know that. Um, so yeah, he he brings him up to to Sean's dad, Ted Levine. Tells him what's going on, and Ted Levine is like, "Tell her you'll never see her or bother her again." And he says, "I can't." Hey, it's he's so calm about the way he says it, though. Yeah. And this is creepy, kid. I can't, can't, I can't, can't do it. Tell her you'll never see her or bother her. If I was her Nicole Kidman, I would be freaked the fuck out. Right and she's now. standing there, and she's literally like, "You're hurting me." Like, you're fucking freaking me out. And she leans in at one point and says, like, I don't want you to bother me again. And then she walks away. And as she walks away, his knees buckle and he collapses onto the ground. He, like, blacks out. And she sees it. And it's very reminiscent of him collapsing as, a, as an older man to his death. And then we get, the I think, the, the greatest scene of the fucking film. They go to this opera... It's all done in one take, and we see Nicole Kidman and Joseph Beautiful walk into this acting. opera, and the camera slow zooms in on them as they sit down, and it just lands on her face. And for like two minutes, we just sit here and watch Nicole Kidman's face in a tight close-up as we just see her mind go in all different directions. She's confused. She's scared. She's she's totally thousand yards staring at as this opera is going on in front of her. But you can see her kind of coming to the decision that she's starting to be convinced by this shit. And there's every now and then like Joseph will lean in and say something to her and it'll startle her. Uh-huh. Like because she's forgetting where she even fucking is. It's those are the best moments when he leans in and she just like yeah. is recoiling from him yes. also. I don't, I'm not 100% convinced that she's, the wheels are turning that it's him, but, because I think that that moment comes later. I agree. Well, the wheels but are I, turning. Either I think way. The, wheels I think the wheels are, are turning. I think it's just turning yeah. your, like, this grief that maybe you thought you had yeah. under control. It's like ripping yeah. the yeah. wound wide open. She's, wide open. Coming she's back. starting it's to question. Coming back. Yeah. yeah. And it's just fucking spellbinding. Everything about it, the mu- the sound of the opera that is like scoring her emotions in this moment, the look of it, the performance, it's all coming together in this perfect harmony that it- it's like the fucking scene of the movie. And yeah. it's the kind of thing, too, where you watch it and you go, you're going to fucking say she sucks as an actress after watching yeah, that she's scene? she's incredible. No. You're insane. And it. They're on such a long lens that you can see the camera like shaking yeah. too. Like the longer the lens, the more you can like kind of feel those mm-hmm. vibrations. Mm-hmm. So it's like I wonder like they must be beyond a three hundred mil lens. Oh yeah, because you know? it's a long zoom, very long zoom. Um, I looked up the opera that they're watching. It is Wagner's The Valkyrie, which according to Wikipedia is about two twins, a male and female, who are separated at birth. And then fall in love with each other as adults. 
So it's also dealing in a sort of yeah. incestuous taboo romance. Well, there's no incest in this. No, but it's taboo. Yeah. Taboo. <laughs> I think the movie could have been called Taboo. T A B U. <laughs> it's me, Taboo. Your husband. <laughs> uh, we get to see a little glimpse of Sean's home life, and I think this is really interesting. His mom basically talks to Sean as if he's like the captain of like a mm -hmm. submarine or something. Mm -hmm. She's like, uh, we've cleaned the decks, Captain. Are you ready to man the missiles and stuff? And, you know, he says, like, I'm not your stupid son anymore. But it's interesting that she, it seems like the dynamic is implying that, like, they play these little role-playing games at home. And maybe, it feels like they kind of take it far. And so Sean's maybe used to playing characters. So it's a little, mm, little hinty, hinty, I hadn't hint. thought about that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't... Are you, if you're suggesting that what the mom is doing is strange or abnormal, no, 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 not at all, so. not yeah. at all. I don't know. It, it felt a little bit extreme to me watching it. Like she wasn't just doing it in like a "Hey there, sailor." She's like being, she's getting really deep into no, it. What no, it made me dude, think no. of you're, you're. This is you being weird. What it yeah. made this is me a what? It's little. I did this with little kids all the time. Like when I've like babysat or nannied Have or something. You? Especially if she's trying to get him to go to sleep. He had just gotten in trouble. It's like I'm going there and be like. Is the princess upset? Because it's like a way to get kids to like talk. And well, stuff I think too. exactly. You remember that This American Life? Did you ever hear that This American Life story, Justin, of this guy tells where all growing up, their dad had created these scenarios to convince his children that Santa was real to the point where it's like they were walking on the woods and he like hired a like a, a a person off the street to come play Santa and be like, I'm lost. Can you take me in and help me find my way? And like, then they would talk about it as like little kids. They would be like, remember when Santa came home and the dad would never let up that it was a ruse. And it got to the point where the youngest of the kids- I hate him. Yes, yeah, the I father the youngest of the psychopath. kids was like telling friends at school, like, I've met Santa before. And they would make fun of him and he would get into fights. And the teachers would call and be like, hey, can you like talk to your kid? Because he's starting to get made fun of a lot and people are fighting him. And they would go talk to him and be like, you know that everything that happened was real. You just probably shouldn't talk about it with other people. And he grew up- and became an adult and had to come to the realization that his parents refused to admit that what they did was a lie, was a ruse. And it was elaborate, hugely elaborate scheme. And even to, so like NPR goes and like interviews these people. And to this day, the dad will not. It's an incredible This American Life. You should He will not let up that. that it's a fake. He's like, I, I'm not going to admit that it wasn't magic. That it wasn't an experience that we all shared. Okay, together. but that is not what is happening with this that's what ten year old think boy. Of. That's right what it now. made me think of. No, yeah, no, that's not what's I, happening to, with. This. Either way, I think it's pointed. I think it's pointed. I think it's done intentionally. Well, for sure, because yeah, it's a what, movie. Well, the intention, the intention to me, mm -hmm. without taking it so far. I mean, again, fun to to of course try to tie it into the theme, uh -huh. but she's being playful with her son, mm -hmm. and it is shattering for him to respond oh my god that's in a way. the thing yeah. when he says that to her yeah. you're like your, oh i'm not no. your stupid son yeah so we have to understand as an audience oh because the next few things that happen are fucking insane yes. the fact that she lets her son yes. stay with another okay, what person, about this here's a here's a here's a, a little flip what if he 
forces it on her. You know what I mean? Like, what if he, before all this, what if Sean had been like, I am Captain Sean, and you will refer to me only as Captain Sean. And this is our fucking no, missile boat. Okay, this is, no, I'm telling no. you. I think there's something to it. No. <laughs> Especially to not me, because the, the way is... that the movie ends, like the very, very end, right. we like see him being normal again and being like, well, I, I mean, theory, I guess I don't want to spoil it. I think the point of the scene, Jonathan Glazer wants you as an audience to feel and believe that this kid is behaving in a way that is so different yes. to his mom. Yes, I agree. That I agree. it almost feels like another person has possessed. Like, to me, like it feels like, especially when she's coming in, it's like, oh, wow, this mother and son have a special, sweet relationship, mm-hmm. too. I don't think he's a psychopath. Agree. She wins me over. She wins me over in this moment because in the previous scene, her performance while she's smoking a cigarette is like absentee mom, like deadbeat mom. And then she comes in and is fucking superhero mom. I think she's she's like so exhausted at the beginning. Being like, what? My son's doing what? I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, I want to go back and watch the scene again because now in my mind, I'm feeling like she was a little scared feeling too. I don't know. Which which would explain itself. I think you're putting a lot. I might be. I might be. Um, He starts dropping little clues to her. He sends her a message that says, "Meet me in the park. You'll know where." Of course, it's under the bridge where he died. Under the bridge downtown, it's where your husband died. No, that's another one. That's Mm -hmm. another one. (laughs) I'll I'll get chili peppers in there later. Have yeah. you already done a Chili Peppers? Uh, no. No? I don't think so. Oh. This technically is my second Trent Reznor written song, but this is Johnny Cash's version of it. But Trent Reznor did write Hurt. It's originally yeah. a Nine Inch Nails song. So you got it, bud. You got the f- your first double on the opening songs. Trent, bud. you get the trophy. Um, He says, test me. He's like, pull in my brother-in-law and have him ask me some questions. We get this interesting scene where Arliss Howard, who plays uh, like his brother-in-law starts kind of like grilling him about Sean, you know, tell me things that you wouldn't be able to overhear and stuff. And he says some crazy shit. He says like, well, we had, we made love on your couch, on your green couch uh, one time and stuff like that. Also too, Santa, speaking of Santa, she, she tests little Sean. She says, who told me, that there was no such thing as Santa Claus. And he says, I'll know him when I see him. Which again is another little mystery. It's like, hmm, okay, so he doesn't seem to completely know, but what does that mean? Like, did Sean, did the real Sean maybe never meet this person? Pretty interesting stuff. Um, and I think ties back to my Santa Claus story <laughs> that I was just talking about on NPR, and I think it really goes a long way in proving my theory. No, like, okay. Just kidding, folks. I'm just <laughs> razzing you guys. I'm just razzing you guys. Interesting thing that happens in this Arliss Howard scene, though, there's a cool moment where a, a cat runs across the table. You remember that? Yeah, it was good. And I was like, what the fuck is that about? Because it clearly- well, Just spooky. It's a little like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you associate cats with um, something supernatural. I agree. You know? Yeah. And, and, he, and it also made me think of the dogs, like, yeah. which is also a very pointed thing in the opening scene. The dogs run across Sean as he's running. So we got a scene where some dogs run across the screen, and then we got another scene where a cat runs across the screen. And yeah, I can't really put it together any other way other than like there's something sort of spooky about it. Also, I do feel like in reincarnation 
when people talk about reincarnation, a lot of times they do talk about it as being reincarnated as like an animal. Um, and so maybe there's a little bit of some sort of feeling or vibe that like these animals that are running through the scenes might have some sort of connection to the human spirit world. I don't know. You also think about like not cats having nine lives, you know, mm, that's oh. good. That's good. So I think it's just like, a, it's a subconscious image that just works yeah. so well on so many levels. Yeah. And it, and it startles him too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, whoa, what the fuck. And, and even in the opening VO too, he says, if my wife were to come back as a bird, and told me I'm I'm Anna. So th I think there is maybe trying to make you think about yeah. that a little it's bit. It's brilliant. It's like getting a character getting information in a movie and having something visual pop up that shows you as an audience, adds an element that makes you embody kind of what the character is feeling mm -hmm. too. It's not the same thing at all, but like I, I'm also thinking of the scene in Simple Plan when uh, ba um, Bill Paxton. Uh, Bill Paxton is in the barber chair, being yeah. you know talked to, and the barber keeps like yeah. <laughs> he keeps looking at the cop Great. who's talking, and the barber's Great like scene. turning his head. Yeah. So just like devices like that that have nothing to do with what's happening, yeah. but add an element of tension or and it could be very yeah. very well like what we were talking about in the punch drunk love episode where the idea that aliens are out just outside the frame is something that paul thomas anderson was thinking about and liked but never wanted to make any sort of specific point of in the movie it's just something that sort of feels right is inspiring to him it very well be that like jonathan glazer has no actual meaning for why the cat runs across the table or why the dogs run across the frame. But in the moment he was like, I need a cat because I want the cat to run across the frame because it feels right to me. And yeah. I think that's which I think good. is more than okay. Yeah. You don't you don't need to be like this mastermind director nope. who's planning exactly it's often not not how it works. Yeah. No, I I believe it's in that what too. Feels right. I think yeah. more so is the I think a great director is almost more psychic than they are a brilliant, mm. beautiful mathematician that is specific. I think they're I feeling like they're feeling something in their gut, and they're saying, "I don't know why, but that works to me." It's a psychic thing to me. I think what we're forty something episodes in, <laughs> and that's the most poignant thing you've said. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now let me talk to you more about my Santa Claus. Theory. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Nicole Kidman is like. Convinces the mom, let little Sean stay with me for the night and I will break the spell. She literally says, I will break the spell. Kind of witchy too. Cats, witch, familiars, all that kind of shit. We get this good little ice cream scene. I think the uh, uh, little Cameron Bright is fucking good in this ice cream scene because he is smooth, baby. He's a smooth <laughs> operator. He's sitting there eating this ice cream and she's asking him like, how are you going to provide for me? A man has to support his wife. He has to feed her, defend her, take care of her. How are you going to feed me, defend me, take care of me? How are you going to do that? I'll get a job. How are you going to fulfill my needs? I know what you're talking about. You ready for that? You ever made love to a girl? You'd be the first. 
Oof. Ugh. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool. It's like, okay, so in this world, or in this scenario currently, if you believe he is Sean, but he is also this little boy. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, he is still a little, if he is reincarnated, he's still a little boy in the end. Like, he hasn't had sex with anybody. He's a little mm-hmm. boy. He's still going to school. We see him go to school and shit. He's still eating ice cream. That's what I like is like the movie still shows you every now and then like they take him. You see him on a playground playing around. He eats ice cream. He eats cake. He drinks juice. Like he's still a little fucking kid. But he's like Sean. He's this amalgamation of like a grown man and a little kid. I think I would have fucking killed it as this kid. I think I would have been pretty good at convincing Nicole Kidman that I was (laughs) I'm for real. What are you talking about? I, because <laughs> where is this going? As a kid, I would eat anything. You, yeah, you used to manipulate forty-year-old uh-huh. uh, women as I, a kid. I, my preference was older women. Always did not have attraction to to girls my age. It was always the Nicole Kidmans, the Alicia Silverstones, mm. the uh, Kirstie Alleys. You didn't have, do, but you you had but, no. You're but, thinking did, that you had a swagger enough to bag a fucking Nicole. The Kidman amount of times at the that, that my friend's parents told me that I was cool. Jack, please. For eating the food that they please. put on the we table and had not, no No. That's like your mom telling know, you you're special. I, exactly. I didn't like cartoons. <sighs> I liked adult things. I just, I'm just saying if I was doing this, I think I would have had a leg up over most kids. Cuz a lot of kids would be like, "Can we eat macaroni and cheese?" Also, I'm your husband. Not little kids that I would have been like are either a reincarnated or be fucking psychopaths. Make he's a different person. But that, that what I believe is that he acted like that before this yes, possession. I agree. You think Sean liked ice cream and juice? Yes. Yeah, that's the whole point of that mom scene. He's playing ca- like captain of the ship with his little mommy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't recognize him anymore. Yeah. Oh, you it's mean, crazy. You mean Sean like, the boy. In, Sean the boy. Like, I think Sean yes, the boy yes, is, yes, is, yeah. is. I thought having you were saying Sean transformation. Yes, I thought you were saying Sean the scientific brain. jogger, like yeah. juice and ice cream. No, he's not <laughs> like this at all times, and now it just says I'm Sean. Yeah, yeah. he is a different person. Right, right, right. And it's startling to his parents. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a possession. Exactly. Yes, it's a possession film. Hmm. Without any uh, because the father is like if you think about when he's like telling him to like tell her that you're not gonna do this again. The dad's like reaction to Sean being like tell her you'll never see her again. Yeah, when he's like I can't. It's the dad's not like he does this. He's got he's like really strong willed. He's like what the fuck? Tell her like he's like this is very strange that my son is acting this way. You're freaking me out, Sean. Thank you for that beautiful impersonation. He does. Oh, Ted Levine has one line that I thought was weird where he says about Nicole Kidman and and her partner that they have money. And I thought he was like saying that, like, how how are we going to milk this to get Who does he say it to? I remember to his wife. I actually, that did stand out to me as well. And I never quite saw how that line was relevant or if they were plotting something and it never comes back. So I wonder if that was like a side plot that just never got finished mm-hmm. or incorporated into the final cut. But yeah, and maybe maybe also to tell us, too, that Sean doesn't come from money, you know, that like or maybe it is supposed to create suspicion in you. Is he scheming her for her moolah? I don't know. So then we get the big scene, folks. 
the bathtub sequence. And boy, is it scandalous. Oh, boy. You know, like nothing happens. And did you hear, did you like read about how they shot this scene too? Well, yeah, but it's like not even that crazy. It's I like know. you can see how they shot it the way the movie's shot. It's not like they did any crazy trickery or anything. Right. But they did have to like prove that they shot it. That Two they different didn't, scenes. I guess it's one of those things where people saw the scene and were like, <gasps> they must actually be naked. Even though you- It's just like cannibal- cannibal holocaust mm -hmm. yeah they're convinced prove prove that you didn't kill this person and stick <laughs> exactly. them on a stick yeah and, and it's like you watch the scene it's like you don't even you don't see nicole kidman's boobs in the scene you don't see his butt or penis you don't see any nudity whatsoever None. you can totally tell by the way they're shooting it that nobody ever was in a position where an adult person was naked in front of a naked boy. And even the the two shot of them in the bathtub together, all of their areas are covered in a way that they were wearing stuff. They clearly were probably wearing stuff. But yeah, they had to go on a full campaign and be like, this is how we shot the scene. This is how we did it. They were never like, when she was naked, he was not in the room and all this kind of stuff. I think it is a provocative scene. Absolutely. Certainly. But tastefully provocative mm -hmm. and emotional. Extremely well. emotional. And it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And she's sort of pushing back on it a little bit, but she's also allowing him to get into the tub. But she feels a little cornered by him as well because he walks in on her. And she tells him Ugh. to leave. And then there's this great moment, too, where, where Joseph Ugh, yeah. comes to the door and she hears him and she turns and they just go dead silent. And he waits and he sits for a second and he listens and then he turns and walks away. And there's just like this little tension moment. But Nicole Kidman has this like look like, don't you fucking I come in here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because in her mind, she's like, this is my boy here. This is my man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting across from me in this tub. Honestly, like of the two moments in that scene that were, that could make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's watching the kid kind of like undress, yeah. even yes. though you don't see anything. But like watching him take his shirt off, start to unbuckle his belt. Those are the moments that feel more uncomfortable to me than like seeing him in the tub. Yeah, because he's doing it the same way fucking Josh Hartnett would do it in a, you know, a movie mm -hmm. where it's sensual. And it's getting you. You're starting to sweat a little yeah. bit. And Corey's shaking her head. She does agree. She doesn't agree. Mm -hmm. You're censoring me. You're you're censoring. That's not cool. This is free America. Free I think, speech. I think Corey's just saying didn't work on me. This is no Josh Hartnett. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're right. Cameron Bright, by the way, uh, I don't know if he acts much anymore. I was able to find what seemed to he be. He did like a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, he's been in a handful of other things. I mean, it's hard out here to be an actor and new things every I agree. year. I agree. He kind of, I don't know why they don't really look that similar, but I get Anakin Skywalker vibes yeah. from him. I think he's maybe better. Yeah. Then we get our big action set piece. They're in this sort of pre-wedding music ceremony where this they're sitting around listening to this orchestra. Also, he's been with them for days. So his mom is like waiting for this kid to come yeah. home. Yeah. And... He's still with them longer than anticipate. I like that line where she's like, I think he needs to hear the music. Yeah. Yeah. To make it real. Like, well, maybe yeah. if we convince him that we're actually going to get married, he'll just fucking leave. Honestly, because of that bathtub scene, I am like, why is Nicole Kidman still in this moment fighting for him to 
change his mind. So then the question is, when she says, I think he needs to hear the music, is she actually mm-hmm. thinking? Or is she just like, I want him to stay? I think she is. Yeah. I think she is. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's, I think she's fully starting to kind of like lose her mind. Yeah. I think her grip on reality mm-hmm. has completely mm-hmm. slipped, and I think she has... And her mom and her sister, everybody's like trying to snap her mm-hmm. back to reality. And they're all trying, and it's what you get these great scenes where they all kind of confront little Sean, and he manages to get the better of pretty much everybody. Yeah. He even points out the woman who told Nicole Kidman that Santa Claus didn't exist, which is just a great theme of the movie, because that's the first lie we're told as kids. This movie's kind of about lying, in a way. Big Fat Liar, I think, was one of the alternate titles of the film. I feel like the first one is The Stork. The Stork, yeah. That The Stork or brought that, you. Or that God, uh, Eve came from Adam's rib. That's pretty fucked mm. up lie. And that, that other lie about the rib where Marilyn Manson removed his rib to suck his own dick. Mm-hmm. That's the other big lie. Right. That we're all told early on. Or that a McRib... That McDonald's doesn't have the capacity to make a McRib on the menu mm-hmm. year round. Like, come on. Why is that once? Yeah, well, I believe that. Once sure. a year. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's another thing, too, guys. I never believed in Santa Claus. So that's the other reason why I would have been pretty good at convincing That is culture. true. And sad. I would have been like, I think, hey, Anna. I never even believed in Santa Claus. Do you think most kids be- actually believe Absolutely. in Santa Claus? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I, I remember to, when I, I had asked to my mom, fend it off all the time. I remember when I asked my mom because I found the letter. The 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 Santa Claus would write us a letter oh, every you morning. Found a letter? Huh? Yes, I did. I found like a one in the trash that because she used to use like a different font to write Santa Claus, like the letters from Santa Claus, mm-hmm. and I could tell. And I think honestly, though, I remember it not being like heartbreaking to me. So I think I must have like already. Been like, I think this is the truth. And I saw like You're bound her to scrap hurt a kid. paper and I was like, huh. And I remember going to my mom being like, are you Santa Claus? She was like, um, yes. And I was like, okay. But yeah, I mean, my friend's kids, little kids. I, I mean, I think it's probably, you know, with social media and all that stuff, it's going to be a lot different. But like little kids, like four and five year olds, yeah. for sure. I forgot about the tooth fairy too. Tooth fairy was the only one I believed in. And it was a heartbreak. Mm. <laughs> That's it so was a wild that you're like true Santa Claus for sure not, but mm-hmm. the Tooth Fairy, yes. I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know why. What What were we supposed to get for in exchange for our tooth? Money, under the pillow? dealer's choice, baby. I Money. think it was up to the parents, but like for me, it was a dollar. Yeah, but some people probably nickel, dime, quarter, quarter. That's kind of fun. That's a fun one. Yeah, because oh, it's yeah. a traumatic experience, right? Absolutely, it's taking someone's your childhood trauma and turning it into uh, a financial capitalistic reward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's teaching you a valuable lesson. You have to suffer for money. Uh Yeah. Welcome Uh to the fucking real world. You got to feed the beast. Invaluable member of society. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the reason why I bought into it so much is because I had so much proof because I did that. I would put it under my pillow and I'd wake up with money the next day. And I just remember driving home. I wasn't even having a conversation about it. We were driving home. I was sitting in the back seat, and I was just thinking about it. And I was like, probably hitting age ten, maybe. And I was just like, "Wait, the tooth fairy's not real," because I don't believe in any of the other shit. Mm-hmm. And I remember having the urge to cry. It like really sunk into my throat that revelation. Hmm. 
But Santa never fucking believed, which I think put me on top. Mm. In the maturity. <laughs> with the ladies. <laughs> with the ladies. And would have helped me in this situation with, with Nicole. God, do you believe that Jack kid? He doesn't believe in Santa Claus. He's, He's only so eight years old. Cool. That's what my friend's mom said. Ooh. He's so tall. Oh. Yeah. And, I, and if you put meatloaf down in front of me, I'll eat it. Even though he won't. <laughs> he won't? <laughs> the friend, your son. Even though you're uh, your son, he won't eat the meatloaf. But me, I'll eat the meatloaf. Okay, what happened in the next part well, of the movie? Yeah, copy and paste all this and put it in the Patreon. Yeah. Delete it from the pot. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> put it behind the paywall. <laughs> um, so they're listening to this music. Sean, little Sean, is sitting right in between Joseph and Anna, which is great. And we're just watching them. And then all of a sudden, Joseph like shifts his chair over and turns around and goes, would you stop doing that? And we don't even know what he's fucking talking about at first. And then he turns back and he starts listening to music more. And then we do a little push in on Sean's feet as he kicks the back of Joseph's chair and starts kicking it and kicking it and kicking it until finally Joseph fucking explodes. Snaps. He jumps up. He starts chasing him around the room. He's grabbing him and people are running in trying to intervene. And he's like, there's a really funny moment where he's like, okay, 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 okay. And then he jumps and runs away from it. He grabs the piano and he shoves it like towards little Sean, trapping him in this other room and then climbs over the piano so that nobody else can follow him, grabs Sean, hurls him over his knee and starts violently spanking his ass, which again, it's a Kubrick reference. Very similar scene happens in Barry Lyndon. With Leon Vitale. He grabs this kid. He gets mad at this kid. He grabs him. He pulls him over his, his leg and starts like violently spanking him. And people burst in and grab him. And they restrain him. Little Sean runs out of the room. He runs outside. Nicole Kidman follows little Sean. It's like, Sean. And then on the street, he turns and Ooh. they walk up to each other and they stand for a second. And he reaches up and he grabs her face. And he lays a big old smooch. And she gives it back. Mm -hmm. To me, this is the most provocative scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in terms Do you think of, they actually kissed? I think they did, yeah. I think they did. I see a little spit. I see a little like string of spit. Like earlier did. when I was drinking my rum. <laughs> and I had some drool hanging down. It, I saw a little bit of that. It sucks a little bit that this bathtub scene gets all the attention. Because I found an interview with um, Cameron Bright. Now, as, as an older, as an adult, and he was talking about, you know, all the stuff and how they had to shoot the bathroom scene. And he was like, there was actually like way more time spent on the kiss and like rehearsing that and getting all that and, and doing all that. But then the interview cuts out because they're like, we don't care. We only care about the bathtub. And I was like, oh, I want to hear about the kiss. Yeah. So I don't have any juicy gossip on how they did the kiss other than that they worked a long time on it, that they rehearsed a lot for it. So it sounds like they really did kiss each other. And you can see he's kissing. It's him. not like an open mouth kiss or anything. No, it's though. not. You know, it's again, it's tastefully done. But is it, it is sort is of it like. Is it illegal <gasps> to kiss a little boy on the mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think there are Grandma's, context. Context. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think with parental supervision and consent on all parties. I think if you, what? if this, if in this movie was real, out. if this movie was real life, mm. she's I'm not in jail. talking about them, what they did in the movie. I'm talking about in real life. If an older woman kissed a little boy a, on the mouth in a sensual way, they, yes, that's illegal. Is that yeah. illegal? I think, yes. I think yes. 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 Yeah. 
<laughs> what do you so what do you think when the brother-in-law walks out and sees them and then turns around and walks back in what do you think he's I think he's like holy fuck my sister yeah. is bad she's a bad person now yeah. she's lost her mind she's maybe a pedophile we got problems yeah. we are in serious but, like this so, is going to ruin think- our family if is what that, Nicole you, Kidman wants to happen when she's like, we're going to run away together. If that happens, this family is ruined. Do oh, you yeah. think he, but at this point, do you think he thinks this kid is his brother-in-law? No, I think he is running up the stairs to tell his pregnant wife. Yeah, I don't, I, th- I think that is the question of the movie. I don't know if there's any definitive because he gets the better of Arliss Howard in his scene. And so there is, you know, you could argue that Arliss Howard is starting to be convinced a little bit too who's arliss howard the brother the brother-in-law and he also like embraces the boy too like he's protecting i feel like in that scene he's doing more than just protecting a little kid to me i think he's he has some affinity to this boy yeah yeah they're all the reality's been in on everybody have we missed when she goes to the best friend's house or we're about to get there that didn't happen yet okay so she goes over to you talking about Peter Storm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going. That's next. I thought that yeah, this happened next. first. Who is Sean's brother? And um, she basically like confides in him. She straight up says like I'm falling for him. Like I'm I'm I believe it is him, and I need you to make him go away because I don't think I can. And he comes over. And, little- and but also important, mm-hmm. we're seeing Anne Hayes is married to him, yeah. and we're she's also in this room, mm-hmm. and we're seeing her get all of this information too. Yes, and you can really see Anne Hayes just thinking some thoughts. Yeah, and if you're keeping in mind all the stuff we saw at the beginning that you don't know the answers to, but you know she's going to have something to do uh-huh. with this shit. Uh-huh. So Peter Stormare comes over once again. Anne Hayes comes with him, but says, "I'll meet you up there." Now we know she's probably going back to deal with whatever she buried. Mm-hmm. Peter Stormare comes upstairs and little Sean runs up and hugs him with like a lot of familiarity. And he's like, hey, can you go into the other room? I'm going to talk to Anna. And right away, Peter Stormare is like, that ain't fucking Sean. And Nicole Kidman is like, yes, it is. And he's like, "Uh -uh, not him. And at one point she tells her mom and her sister, I want to keep him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Lauren Bacall is like, that's fucking illegal. And if you try to keep this kid, I'm going to call his mom and she's going to call the police and we're going to let the fucking law deal with this. Yeah, I'm glad the mom says that, that she's not like trying to sugarcoat it fully on her side, even though she's kind of like wicked stepmother at the beginning of the movie, which again, I feel like everybody is set up in one way at the beginning. But by the end, I'm sort of like, I'm on Joseph's side, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm on wicked stepmother's side. I'm kind of like feeling everybody because they're all acting pretty. They're like putting up with it. Well, they're dealing with it in a normal way. Yeah. And they're trying to be supportive. Do you, do you, okay, the Joseph side of it all, do you yeah. really want her to end up with no, him? No, I don't want her like to end up, I do not want her to end up with not him. Not necessarily, So no. I think it's weird to say, like, on Joseph's side. I just think the way that he is with dealing him. with this is pretty realistic. Yeah, It's like than- if suddenly your partner was to be like, so my ex is actually in the body of this child. Yeah, it's and a I nightmare. Be with yeah, it's a nightmare. He, so you feel bad for He's him. like supportive to her in a way, other than when he attacks little Sean. Yeah. Throughout the movie, I'm com- impressed by how like patient and gracious he's being to her in this situation. Yeah. The, the po- yes, understood. But the point is... <laughs> 
that she never, ever, ever would be with a guy like him. No. She doesn't want to be with him. His no. opening speech is basically cluing us in that she said no. For sure. No, for sure. No, yeah. no, yeah. over and over again. Then and that no became a maybe. <laughs> that's got to fucking hurt too because it's like, how yes. long did it take him? And then this little boy walks in. Exactly. <laughs> the, and, most, and dis- the most unrealistic situation and wins her over in like a fucking day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's got to hurt. It's like, damn, you said no to me like a thousand times. (laughs) He's 10. But that shows just like how, like, if you look at nothing else, like nothing is real. All of this is bullshit. Then it's like a metaphor for like not wanting to be with this person, you know? Yeah. It's that's what it's revealing at the very least is that she cannot throw her life away to this guy. Because there's a minute possibility that a person that she prefers more might be in the body of this 10-year-old. Yeah, she, yeah, she hasn't <laughs> yeah. moved on. You don't move on by burying something. And it, it, like the marriage almost feels like, let me just throw a Band-Aid on my wound. Totally. I guess I have to move on. Everybody's pushing me to move yeah. on. Let's just, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. But and also it's like what art what else can you do? Mm-hmm. You know that is also yeah. the the fact of life. What you some at some point you do kind of have to move on. That's what's yeah. so that's what's so tormenting about the situation right. is that it's like just when she's like ready to do it it kind of yanks her right back. I know, I know. But from the get-go, just like at, not to be an asshole, but as an audience, mm-hmm. you if you turn the volume off and you knew nothing about the, the Sean or reincarnation and you just saw her mm-hmm. next to him, the body language alone. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, vi- and this, the difference between the two of them would be visually evident to you and you would not want to see her end up with this guy. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, right. yes, she needs, you, you can't, stay single and alone and sad for the rest of your life if you lose your your loved one there is someone else out there for you you know but not this guy <laughs> not this guy. nah nicole you you you're dating down Anne h comes to the door and uh little sean answers it and she says you see how dirty my hands are and sean immediately is like don't tell anna and she goes, give me your hand. She writes down her address. She says, come to my fucking house later. So we know mm. she's dug up and she sees that there ain't nothing there. So we follow him to her That's house. That's honestly my, one of my favorite parts, scenes of the whole movie is when he opens that door and you just see her dirty hands. Mm-hmm. She's like, show me where I can wash them. It's like, oh, you like cheer. Yeah. This is the technically the real villain of the movie. The hate yeah. in some yeah. in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Absolutely, especially if she would have completed what she wanted to do in the first scene. Well, yes. that's a monster. Don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun. I know I'm just saying. Yeah, We're there's almost a couple there. things she says and does that's shocking. <laughs> but go on. So, he goes over to her house. And the first thing she says to him is, "You're not Sean." And he's like, "I am Sean." And she said, "If you were Sean, you would have come to me by now." Because I'm your lover. And he says, Anna's my lover. And she says, Anna is your wife, but I'm your lover. Uh-huh. Ooh, it's the big reveal, folks. She says, do you have them? She opens up his backpack and she pulls out letters. And we get a flashback and we see that the little gift that she went and buried 
the opening of the movie. Little Sean ran out and grabbed it. He unburied it. He opened it up, and inside were unopened letters that were written by Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. to Sean. And that this little boy opened these letters and read them. And we're to infer that that's how he knows all this information about Sean. And she says, Sean gave me those letters. He never opened them, and he gave them to me to show his affection for me and how little he cared about the relationship with Anna, which is cold. Yeah, and you're like, damn, Sean is actually a piece of not shit. Not a good guy at all. Yeah. All these beautiful love letters that Anna's been writing, he ain't even reading them. And he's given them where, to, to his mistress to show his mistress where, that he cares about her more. Like, are they long distance? Why is she writing him letters? Couldn't tell you, bud. Maybe it was just like their like love language, you know, it's before text That's messages. True. Yeah. Before. And he got and somehow, somehow, he goes by this I mean, this is probably year at least one year of letters. Yeah. She never ever gets a clue that he they didn't read reading a those damn letters. thing. I know. Yeah. Honestly, there's a this is like you can't you kind of just have to use movie yes. logic for the letters part of it because it's like it's not a this whole little list. boy like memorizes yeah. all this like all of these different things. You could poke some holes, but you kind of got to go with it. And this reveal blows little Sean's mind. Yeah. Because he's like the Sean that I have been embodying does love Anna. And it is kind of confusing because he's like, I guess I'm not. Because it's like almost sad for him to, he's like, I thought I was Sean, but I guess I'm not. Well, what because... he is, is he's her perception of Sean. You know, yeah. he, he's, it, what, if, Ooh, it, if this is, yeah. if this is a possession movie, she possessed him. Mm-hmm. Because it's her letters that have wow. created this yeah. image of Sean yeah, yeah, that yeah. has been possessing him. So it's not the real Sean. It's not reincarnation. It's not the real guy possessing this little boy. It's the idea <sighs> of Sean that Nicole Kidman tricked herself into thinking was real. Mm-hmm. So it's all a fucking false reality. Wow. It's brilliant. And he is now in like a total existential spiral about it. Because he's like, if the Sean that I've been embodying didn't love Anna and actually loved this mistress, then I can't embody this guy anymore because I do love this girl. And so he goes and fucking climbs a tree. <laughs> As you do when your heart is broken and you're going through an existential spiral. And you're 10 spiral, years old. You go into a park in the middle of New York and you climb a big ass tree and you wait there all night long. And he gets pulled down by some cops and he even tells the cops too. He's like, I fucking thought I was this guy. But it turns out he didn't even love her. He doesn't sound he's anything drunk. like he's that. Ham- he's actually... He's hammered. He's, he's fucking hammered. He's very calm when he says Dude, it. I'm not even that guy. <laughs> I hate Sir, that character Sir, so Sir, you're much. drunk. Awesome. He's drunk. Awesome. <laughs> he's having an identity crisis. At 10 years old. I don't even know who I am, dude. But then he still goes back to Anna's house. So then Anna's sister has her baby, which is interesting timing. Because it's like Sean died again. In that Mm. scene, the idea of Sean died in little Sean. And that death becomes a birth, the new baby. Uh And then and Lauren Bacall has a funny line too, you hear where she she goes to the baby and she goes, Is that Sean? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> it's something your mom would do. Yeah. <laughs> Completely like maybe dismissing a little inappropriate. this like, traumatic experience you just went through. Um, and Nicole Kidman goes home and she discovers that little Sean is back in the bathtub, baby, covered in dirt because he's been climbing the trees. And Nicole Kidman is like, like a excited yeah. schoolgirl yeah. is like, I have a plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to fucking run away together. We're going to go into hiding and we're going to wait for 11 years until you turn 21 and then we're going to get married. And I can't wait to know what you'll look like. Yes. What Ugh. a creepy line. Creep. What a creepy line. And he's just sitting there listening with a blank stare on his face. And he says, I'm not Sean. And she doesn't even really say like, what? It's almost like she knows. It's almost like in the back of her mind, she's been kind of waiting for this fucking moment because she immediately is like, you're a liar. Is that what you're saying to me right now? He like kind of does this little like dramatic fall back into the bathtub and she pulls him out. She's like, are you saying you're a fucking liar? She goes, well, you certainly had me fooled. I thought you were my dead husband. Embarrassing. But you're just a little boy in my bathtub. Embarrassing. And now everybody's fucking looking at her like she's the nut of the town. And yeah, Laura McCall has a great line where she goes, I never even liked Sean. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. And then she goes back to Joseph and basically begs for him to take her back. Yeah, it's horrifying. It's pathetic. Horrifying. She was like, what happened to me wasn't my fault. I do like I, that. I, I those... can't be held accountable. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, she's you... she's not saying, she's not groveling and saying, I'm yeah. so sorry. She's saying, it's not my fault. You understand that? Yeah. Like, it was an unreal situation she was put in. Yeah, I'll give her that. I'll give her that. She is a little bit groveling because she does say like, I, w- I just want to, I want a normal life. I want a normal marriage. I, I want to. I want it She's back. backpedaling. She's backpedaling. Yeah. But, totally. But I just mean, and I I'm agree saying, I'm with her. I'm sitting there thinking he ain't going to do it. Yeah. I agree with yeah. her that, it, that what happened to her is beyond and, yes. what a normal person should be For expected sure. to deal with. Who is. But if I was Joseph in this situation. Oh, God. I'd say no, 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 no. He's so obsessed with her, though. If Corey did that, you would say <laughs> no way. You would say, I'm good. You'd pass on that. Well, let me just, I'm not going to answer that, but I'll say if the roles were reversed, Corey would leave my ass in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I'll just uh, leave Yeah, it you that. would be in prison, <laughs> sir. Cut to a few months later. It's May, my birth month, which I feel like probably has some significance because a lot of beautiful things happen in yeah, the month of May. Yeah, it's very significant. May showers bring sp- April, oh wait, what is it? April, April showers bring, bring May flowers. flowers. There ain't no flowers in this scene. And this is kind of like the epilogue to the movie. They get married. It's a nice, beautiful wedding ceremony. She looks depressed as fuck. Yeah, they're like, come over and take your bridal pictures. And as she's taking pictures, she's literally like fucking zoning out. Thousand yard stare. The photographer's like, can you raise that bouquet up a little bit, baby? Baby, can you raise that bouquet up a little? She ain't even fucking listening. And Joseph's standing in the back watching her. Being like, good Lord, what did I just fucking do? Meanwhile, we get a voiceover. Little Sean wrote her a letter. Dear Anna, 
Thanks for your letter. Mom says thanks, too. I'm really happy being back at my school, and my friends don't know what happened, so it's okay. I don't go to your building anymore, and I've been seeing an expert. They sure talk a lot. They said I've been imagining things. Mom said maybe it was a spell, but it's a good thing that it's gone away now. Tell everyone I'm sorry I made a problem for them. I'm really sorry I made you sad. They said they still haven't figured out what was wrong with me. But they said the good thing is that nothing really happened. Well, I guess I'll see you in another lifetime. Sean. And we get this great sort of cross-cutting between her taking her bridal photos with all these little kids taking their school photos. And we see one kid after another come sit down, get their picture taken. And then finally, little Sean sits down. And he looks different. He looks like a regular kid. Yeah. It's like if he was possessed, he's like, he is not possessing. Yeah. He's back to normal and he's happy. He can move on with his fucking life. And then we go back. Yeah, let's see how we ended on Nicole Kidman. First, we see Joseph, and he's running on the beach frantically. And we see that Nicole Kidman is like standing at the edge of the water, tears in her eyes, literally having a total breakdown. Earth behind her, the vast ocean of the unknown before her, and she don't know which direction she wants to go. And Joseph (laughs) comes over there. As fast as you can, run. Joseph comes over there and he grabs her and holds her for a second and then pulls her back to reality, baby. He pulls her back to earth. And uh, as much as you want to say about Joseph, hey, that guy's trying. Yeah, but they are just not a fit and they're never oh. going to be a fit. She's crying. It's you not know they are in a world of pain. She's <laughs> the rest depressed. Of that She's doing depressed. the bare minimum. Don't give him any credit. He's doing what any <laughs> not... horrible this then turns into the movie the hours and she walks herself into the ocean with rocks in her that's another one the hours Mm -hmm. it's another nicole kidman of this time and yeah you know she ain't gonna ever ending happy this is not no i I mean it's honestly it's i found it to be breathtakingly sad yes uh especially just the beach of it all it's just beautiful it's 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 cinema if you're gonna make a sad movie this is the way you got to end it. This, though, really does feel like a possession movie. Yeah. It's a ghost movie without ghosts. It's a possession movie without exorcism. Well, Anne H. kind of exercised him. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Anne H.'s plan was yeah. to... She, Sean is dead. I think Anne Hache is also going through... She's like the flip side of the grief. Yeah, you're right. She's going through an immense amount of grief with a man that she actually was had did have an in love relationship with. Mm-hmm. He was in love with her. And to her, even though Anne Hache was the other woman, in mm-hmm. Anne Hache's mind, Nicole Kim was the other woman because her and Sean were really in love and she was like please just leave your wife. And she knew he was never, never. going to leave her. He fucked us both. And so once he died, it, her grief formed into j- more and more hatred for Nicole Kidman. And then it's suddenly they have to be at her little party and it's like, oh, look, she goes and gets to be happy now. No, I'm going to ruin her happiness by proving that Sean never fucking loved her. And she's it's cruel, but it's the way that her grief 
now. Could that have helped Nicole Kidman actually move on? Maybe. Dude, that's what my point Maybe. is going to be. An alternate view of it is that she is actually being uh, sympathetic in this, like, seeing... But that's not, that wasn't the point of what she was trying to do. And she doesn't know that Nicole Kidman for the past 10 years has been in this, like, well, how do you know can't that? get over it. How do you know Because that? we know that her and Clifford have not seen each other. Clifford says that at the beginning of the movie, like, I'm so sorry I haven't seen, like, I, I got myself invited to you this party when I saw in the paper that you were getting married. Uh, I haven't yeah, seen you in years. Yeah, but you know, there's it. still, he there's word it. of mouth. Well, and of course, but I just know. don't think that, like, Anne Heche knows what, no, is close enough to Nicole Kidman to know what their, yeah, her I mindset think, is. I think there is a more sort of, like, humanist, positive reading of it, like Justin is saying, where it's sort of like her saying, let him go because he sucked. You Maybe, be, but Actually go and be happy with Justin sure, because that's not John what, But sucked. she says to she says to little Sean, that's not what she was doing. She was like, so I wanted to show her. I wanted to yeah. get, stick it to her. She says all of these things. That's She's not true. doing that to do this at a peaceful. It's not a nice way to wrap a present <laughs> in a beautiful thing and be like, yeah, by no, the way, your husband never loved also, you. Corey, I'm not saying she's doing a good thing. I'm just saying, could that bad yes, deed... I actually given her some peace i think absolutely it would have. could have yes that's the other twisted thing about this movie is that nicole kidman ends this movie not knowing about these letters i know that is the fucked up thing like she is going on about her life feeling like the the dream man is still dead but Which maybe I'll, that is like i also maybe think that's maybe also like great too <laughs> that is also great it's like why yeah. Why ruin this thing for this person? It's like maybe that wasn't the truth that they had this beautiful relationship. Yeah. But if that gives somebody peace, who is it for us to take it away? Because maybe them? that yeah. reveal would have made her walk into the ocean. It's what she experienced. She she's living her life based on what she experienced with Sean. She doesn't know all the details of like what he did in his uh, in the secret darkness of his closet. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's and isn't that point. what we're all doing? Yes. I told you guys that I took a shit in a bush. <laughs> Maybe that's not a part of the Jack image that you want in your head, but now it's there. I wanted to highlight one other thing Anne Heche said. She Please. said to the bo she said to Sean, "Maybe if you came to me first, yeah. I would have that's, explored this." That was wild. Yeah. Well, because yeah. that would have been true. That's the truth. The true Sean was fucking her. Yeah. So and she they were in love, not just fucking yeah. her. They were in love. She would have been convinced the same way that Nicole Kidman is convinced. They were, exactly. they, but they also could be in infatuation too. Here's the thing, right? So, bear with me for one second. <laughs> Little Sean for sure found these letters and read them. There's no mm -hmm. denying that we see and, him do it, and it is kind of impossible to now think about reincarnation as any sort of possibility knowing that he read this stuff like mm -hmm. what are the yeah. chances that reincarnation is real and that this person also read those letters yeah mm -hmm. however i would also say just because she forget that he read the letters for a second just because she had this experience with sean where he was cheating on his wife with her and even doing such crazy things as Sa saving these unopened love letters to give to her, right? Mm -hmm. How does she actually know that he's not just also fucking around with her and like does love his wife too? Like, 
his world is little Sean's world is blown because yeah. now the whole narrative is shot because well I only love Anna and so mm-hmm. if I was the real Sean then I can't like I don't have those feelings for you but couldn't it theoretically be possible that the real Sean was just fucking her and a shitty person but did have love for her and he through, could yes through the reincarnation it is distilled that is like he's he's come back and the love is distilled stripped away of all the bullshit stripped away of all those frustrations that come with living with someone being married being together for a long time the mm-hmm. human urge to like want to explore something taboo right and all that's left the reincarnation is like it's not black and white it's not we don't even know if it's real or not so it's up to us as viewers to sort of interpret what could reincarnation be and is it not reincarnation just because literally he had another relationship with this woman in a previous I think he would have known her somewhat though because he knew everybody else in the life he's like oh my brother-in-law this or and he hugs Clifford right when he sees him but he has he doesn't know who Anne Heche is at all well if you're trying to argue that maybe potentially he was possessed and reincarnated then how do you explain the fact that when little sean hears this information he no longer is sean anymore you know what i mean like how do you explain that does the soul of sean evaporate once he's busted (laughs) or you know to me him him reacting of like well then i'm not sean because i love anna is also proof that he wasn't actually but, but again you're looking at reincarnation as like a very literal black and white thing right you i think it's more interesting to sort of leave but many cultures believe in reincarnation and no two cultures look at it in exactly the same way it's not mm-hmm. a very clean one for one thing so why couldn't it theoretically be something that almost like how a child is a mix of both of their parents genetically why couldn't sean be a mix of the reincarnation and this boy you know obviously but he's like the purest form of the, of the real sean i don't know there's a lot of I'm, I'm admitting that there are way too many things that completely dismantle any sort of idea that there is gray area here meaning i think you come away with the movie pretty certain that maybe the director's yeah. intention is that this is this is not reincarnation. And yeah. there's more important things to consider here than just that literal reincarnation, yeah. right? Um, like you said, I really like the idea of of Anna sort of possessing him in some ways, you know, the letters yeah. possessing him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an important metaphor, to, a very interesting, powerful metaphor as well. Yeah. but It is interesting that he chooses not to leave it more open-ended. Yes, it's interesting that he decides to give you as much information right. as he does in order to sort of lock down an interpretation. Yeah. You could easily snip some of this away and make it more open-ended yeah. and much more well, open I think it's because me, as a, if this was my movie, where my interests lie, I would want to leave, I would want to leave the audience with some hope that this could be real. It's a little bit more exciting to me and it's it's more interesting to me in a spiritual component right mm-hmm. like how can you weave spirituality into a movie 
in a way that's unique and makes you think about life after life in a new way than yeah. what you traditionally do. So to take the rug out from under you completely and give no sign that maybe there's another interpretation is frustrating to me as an audience. And so I want to come out of it believing that Jonathan Glazer has left some clues that are like, well, what about this? What about, yeah. like, how would he know Thinking about the letters, how would he know, looking at that woman, that she was the one who ruined Santa Claus? Did, did Nicole Kidman really leave a photo, a photo of this person in the letters? Like, come on. How? There's just yeah. a lot that like, yeah, yeah. makes you wonder. And not have the name of that person, too. Exactly. Like, does she just include a photo that says this woman told me there was no Santa Claus, yeah. but it never once says aunt Margaret yeah. or whatever the fuck her name was on there. Cause he doesn't know right. her name. He just yeah. knows the visual. Yeah. yeah no, I, <laughs> I think I, it's supposed to leave some of these questions. Yeah. And I don't think, um, I think it's okay that there are holes too. I think if you, if it's the juice is worth the squeeze thing, I, I can get a lot out of this movie emotionally and yeah. metaphorically and thematically, that I don't need all the holes to be perfectly tied up. It doesn't make me mad that they aren't. No. I do think a lot of people were, and I get that. I've been mad at movies before that that don't do it well. But not this one, baby. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk final thoughts on 2004's Birth by Jonathan Glazer. We'll be right back. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking final thoughts on Jonathan Glazier's 2004 film, Birth. Corey, I'm kicking it off with you, because you were born first. 
No, I wasn't. Justin was born first. Shit. <laughs> By a week. Well, because this is Jonathan Glazer's second film, and you were born second. Go, babe. <laughs> it's great. Um, this movie, I'm, you know, sad it took me so long to see this movie. Uh, I think you're going to have a great time with it. It's going to make you feel a lot of feelings. It's incredible performances. It's a movie that you will be thinking about a lot after you watch it. I have been, you know, thinking about it over the past couple of days. Just little things keep popping in. You'll want to have conversations with it. I feel like this is the type of movie that you're going to ask your friends, have you seen Birth? And if they haven't, you're going to be like, I need you to see it. I need to talk to this movie about this movie with someone. That's the kind of vibe this movie gives. And I think looking at it through the eyes of a possession movie is really fun. Love it. Justin, how about you? I also love it. I think Jonathan Glazer is an incredibly impressive filmmaker that not a lot of people, you know, cite by name. Look at all of his work, Sexy Beast, Birth, Under the Skin. Super excited for his new movie. Um, yeah, like I said, this is a movie that des- defies genre conventions. Maybe maybe I would say psycho-spiritual thriller or psycho-spiritual mm, drama. I like that term. I, mm-hmm. I like alternative uh, spirituality in movies. I feel like I don't... I see that more in film, uh, foreign films, uh, European cinema, Asian cinema, African cinema. Don't often see that in American movies Mm -hmm. and it always struck me um you know as someone who was raised in a buddhist household and kind of grew up not necessarily believing in reincarnation but discussing it uh i was really excited to see that theme in a movie and you know like i said a little disappointing to me to to concede that everything might not be real um it it, that's where it starts to turn more into an uh, american conventional film for me or like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say american but hollywood conventional film um but again you take what it's a piece of art a yeah. genius piece of art you take what you want out of it and um interpret it how you will i just like that the movie makes you think about that stuff with beautiful cinematography incredible soundtrack and wonderful 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 nicole kidman mm. highly highly desert island actress for me can't live without her Nicole Kidman, are you kidding me, man? She's good. I love this movie too. <laughs> I um <laughs> uh, What's I... the deal with Nicole Kidman? <laughs> She's good. Um <clears throat> I think this movie is actually way more influential now than maybe people ever thought it would be back in 2004. Not only do I think everybody's kind of come around on this movie in a way that they were not in tune with in 2004. When I watch this movie, I basically see what we have as like our modern day elevated horror. Even though this isn't necessarily technically a horror film, it just feels like it's so influential on the Ari Asters, on the Robert Eggers, on the Jordan Peels. This just like, I think Jonathan Glazer deserves more credit for the inspiration that he has made for the A24. Yeah, this would totally be an A24 movie. Absolutely. Um, Way before A24 ever existed. He's a great director. It's a great donut. Jonathan Glazer. 
And Ooh, um, uh, what? Well, you know, just call it, dropping, you know, uh, American critiques left and right. But he's uh, he's British. He's a British. Yeah. But British. you know, but it's a, it was still uh, an American film. It's yeah, American. Exactly. New Line yeah. made the movie, which again, New Line. We've talked about this before. They were killing it back then, man. New Line used to be the ones. I am also sad that this movie is not on Blu-ray. I think it needs to be. It's worthy of it. We need more than just this old-ass DVD out there. If that was the case, I would have this. Because after I saw it, I thought, I'm going to buy that. But then I looked and I saw that there was only an old DVD with no special features. And I was like, well, I'm not going to buy that. So I don't own this movie. And I want to. So you hear that, folks? Somebody get out there and turn this into a nice Blu-ray. Criterion, but it is it's two ninety nine on Apple right now to rent it. Yeah, it's pretty cheap, three bucks. Yeah, yeah watch go watch it. it. Go watch and it. It looks good. Well, now that we've said everything there is to say about birth, what do you say we play? Splish splash, they were taking some baths. This is the bathtub scene quiz. That's right, folks. It's the bathtub scene quiz. Birth ain't the only movie with a memorable bathtub scene. Can you name these other films by their bold bathing bits? Get your fucking heads out of the toilets and get them into the tubs. We're going speed round on this one. I got 10 questions, so scream them out if you want to get the answer right. <laughs> Question number one. 10 is too... What? Go. 10. Let's go. <laughs> Al Pacino bathes in excess violence in a giant jacuzzi built into carpet. Justin Scarface. Scarface. Just name the answer. So I'll give it to Justin because he said he said his name first. You said na just name the answer. But, but fine, he said Justin. Go, okay, sure. so points for Justin. Question okay, number two. Question number two. Jacob Reynolds devours a spaghetti dinner while soaking in a tub surrounded by dismembered Barbie dolls and a slice of fried bacon taped to the wall in this 90s art house cringer. Who's Jacob Reynolds? Jacob Reynolds is a young actor who is only in one or two films. His most <laughs> oh, famous one being uh, this one. Gummo? Correct. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> two for Justin. Question number three. Corey Haim splashes around, jamming out to I ain't got a home, while his trusty guard dog Nanook fights off his demonic brother in this 80s teen horror. Lost Boys? Ding, ding, ding. Points for Corey. Question number four. Mina Suvari is a pervy dad's wet dream bathing American in a tub. American dreams. American pie. American, American beauty. beauty. God damn it. Justin gets the point. Sorry, Three to one. Question number five. American dreams? <laughs> <laughs> to some people. Question number five. Heather Langenkamp catches some Z's in the tub when a murderer's claw reaches up from below the bubbles in this age. Justin, nightmare on Elm Street. Ding, ding, ding. That's four for Justin, one for Corey. Question number six. Julia Roberts rocks out to a Prince song in a luxurious Pretty bath. Woman. Ding, ding, ding. Two for Corey. Question number seven. Leah Beldum seduces us all in a green bathtub before morphing into a hideous rotting Justin hag. Shining. Ding, Sorry. ding, ding. Five Sorry. for Justin. Again. Have question, it. Question number eight. Eddie Murphy gets his royal penis scrubbed while soaking in a palace bath in this late Coming 80s. to America. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, two, two. Royal penis? Your royal penis is clean, your highness. That's what <laughs> wow. she says. Question number nine. Michelle Pfeiffer is paralyzed. In what a lies beneath? beneath. Oh, I'm going to give you both the point on that one. All right. Why? Because it was at the it same first. time. Justin said it first. Final question, and this one's worth 10 points. 
Sigourney Weaver's bath is cut short when the water turns into a pink, gooey monster that tries to eat her baby. Alien? <laughs> Two. In this 80s sequel. <laughs> the monster tries to eat her baby. Oh, Ghostbusters 2. Ding, ding, ding! Corey wins the... You mean Justin wins? No, no, wins? no, try again. <laughs> Justin <laughs> wins the... <laughs> Splish, splash, they were taking some baths. The bathtub scene quiz! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, folks, just as Nicole Kidman closed the book on her relationship with a 10-year-old boy at the end of birth, we are closing the book on 2023. Good riddance. Though it was a tough year for many of us. Awful year. Awful. It also had some bright spots. None. The worst one yet. Not one. Not one. Well, I'll just say that getting to hang out with you two every week, oh. talk movies for a couple hours, has certainly been a bright spot for me. Bullshit. So I just wanted to thank you both for coming on and doing this with me. There's nothing better than talking old DVDs with old friends. Very sweet. And I hope you listeners out there have a happy new year and a happy holiday. This is our final episode of the season. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but we'll be back again in the year 2024. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be all our years, you guys. I can really feel it. 2024 is going to be it's the, the year. That's what we say every <laughs> single Justin, year of our miserable Justin. existence. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Everything will change yeah. in a week. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, folks. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And as always, keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Bye and thank you. Happy New Year! Woo! That was me kissing all of you. Hey, get away from my wife. <laughs>